Welcome to season two of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman. And the song you just heard is Bring the Noise by Anthrax and Public Enemy. And it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Jason Bryant. So Jason has been announcing or covering wrestling in some capacity since his high school days at Pocosin High School in Virginia. Jason's accomplishments are too long to list, which is just a testament to just how successful his career has been to this point. Even after everything he has achieved thus far, Jason still has a chip on his shoulder and strives to continuously improve his craft. And that's something I think we can all admire. So with that being said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy Jason Bryant. I listened to your, your collab with Cody Goodwin before he left. That was yeah, really that a good time. Sucked. I was like, damn it, we got a show. Cause I've always, I'm always like, sorry, I was just trying to figure out, like, okay, I need to, you know, I've done like 3,000 episodes. So it's like, yeah. what else can be? Cause now it's like a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the same kind of stuff. And I was like, I, I, I need to pivot to be different because, mm-hmm. you know, all right, then I got to pivot again when everybody else starts doing this and then I got to pivot again. So I'm usually the one that's changing. When everybody mm-hmm. else kind of catches hold, I'm the one that changes directions. So, Gotcha. Yeah. So you're zigging when everyone's zagging pretty much. Yeah. Where everybody's catching up. I, I just, I, all right, I'm going to change directions. How do you do that? How do like, how do you stay in, in your eyes one step ahead? It's I'm not really ahead. That's the thing. I, I kind of, I'm in a situation where I do what kind of makes what I'm interested in. Cause I, I look at things like from a fan perspective. So it's like, this would be cool. And I try it and I, I have the flexibility to try it. So uh, some things I've tried don't work. You know I mean? I've got, 25 28 shows that are you know retired so you know not every show has a indefinite lifespan so i get to try things you know like i you know i want to say 2013 it's like hey let me do this digital preview guide for the ncaa championships and that's like takes on a life of its own you know each march so uh i have the flexibility to try try different things so which is which is kind of nice not everything is successful but you know it's a lot of spaghetti throwing it to the wall and seeing what sticks or you're in college you could probably save ramen you know, because I think I don't think that's uh, <laughs> ramen in college is timeless. Yes, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if it's the seventies or the twenty twenties. People are, you know, I need to eat. What do we got, dude? Ten dollars, a hundred packs of ramen. Yep. <laughs> My sodium intake is gigantic through the wall, but I'm not hungry or as hungry. Yeah, when you're when you're that young, you you can uh, you can sort of absorb that much sodium and be okay. Yeah, That's once you get past twenty five, then your body's gonna be like, "All right, I remember this. I remember this when you're in your forties." And then you're <laughs> like, what? So, yeah, it's all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that that fan guide. Um, you know, how do you produce that? How long does it take you to do it? I I thought I read once where I don't know if it's typically the same. Two hundred thirty pages. Yeah. So the front half of it doesn't take as long. It's just basically a lot of history. So you just update the, you know, the hard part was doing it for the first time. And then the, then it's like updating the stats. Okay. You run the report, you repot, replug in the tables because the format's already there, but it's just updating. Okay. How many more all Americans are this year? Um, I was doing it manually one time and I was like, you know what? 
why am I going to give myself more options to make mistakes? So the front end takes a lot. It's the back half. It's the current data that, you know, the individual wrestler records. So there's 330 of them. So that takes a significant amount of time before last year. Um, I, I came up with some, you know, bird, basically you can come what's basically a merge document. So I've got, you know, the 330 athletes bio information in one form, and that's all high school record, all that stuff. And they can filter that in. And then there's another, then I've found a way to actually put in that same sheet, their entire season record form. And then I'll fill it in and it's one line and I'll do a search and replace like, okay, this is where a tab stop goes. Here's where a new line goes. And it filters in and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, what used to take me 12 hours took me 10 minutes. So <laughs> this year was, um, was quite helpful. And I was doing the stats throughout the year. So uh, Britt Malinsky, who people know as Seton Hall pirate in uh, the Twitter verses and on the message boards, he, he kind of tracks the, the, the results throughout the year and with his, whatever the dual impact index is what he calls it, but he has basically the ma- the results that count for qualification purposes. He doesn't worry about matches against D one and D two. And, where I got into a situation with like, okay, I need to make sure the data is accurate. So WrestleStat was doing it for a couple of years. I was doing it, uh, pulling stuff from track wrestling for a couple of years. But and then ultimately it's like, you know what? I need to be consistent with what the NCAA uses. Now, granted, I do like the matches against the non-Division One guys, but it wasn't consistent as what teams were putting on their season record form. So I'm like, well, this is what's going to be in the NCAA program. I might as well make sure that that's consistent. And mm-hmm. in terms of like, like, What's who's eligible? Like if you're an Ivy guy sitting out for a semester, your matches don't count because you're not enrolled versus, uh, you know, an injury, you know, if you're ineligible, there's another, it's, there's, there's so many nuances to what counts. So I knew the pirate was just going to keep track of that stuff. So, you know, I paid him basically what I would say a license fee for, for his efforts on this. And, you know, each week he sends out his, his, his uh, email to the coaches and then I'm included on that email. So I basically, well, I'm going to use this stuff. And I formatted it in a way. I basically had all year to format it to figure out how it's going to work. So now years forward, it's like, all right, well, boom, put it out there. And I can have even some some stats online just to mess around to see what can I do with this? Can I, can I create a weekly report? Can I, you know, how else can I work with, you know, Adobe InDesign? Because I was, I worked at a newspaper for eight years. So layout and design is something I have in my background. So I'm just playing around with things. It's not exactly a sexy design by any means. It's not like, you know, open up like, you know, these, these magazines where you've got this big plate of food in this little info box. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's nuts and bolts. It's meat and potatoes. It's really all it is. I get, I got a little cheeky this year with a super Mario brothers or an eight bit theme uh, mm-hmm. with the cover. And I had like, you know, question blocks in the corner for page numbers and, and the, uh, the arcade text, but I don't think I'm going to do that anymore because changing the font on 300 and some pages or 200, whatever pages, like just the consistency is just like, Oh, so I may change, <laughs> I may stick with a cover theme, but I doubt I'm going to change the layout with um, the, the like an arcade theme from here on out. But mm-hmm. I did a little bit more of uh, the infographics this year, but yeah, it takes, you know, it's, it's a long process in the run up because you have ideas like, all right, well, let me try this info box and then, okay. You know, I did a, a page this year with the headshots of all the coaches that had won national titles. So that's mm-hmm. something that was had never been done before. And a lot of the stuff in here, the only place you're ever going to find it is in the preview guide. So uh, I'm, I'm a stat nerd, but I'm also one of these people that gets calls and texts almost weekly about, hey, wh- what do you know about this guy? Or is this guy said he was a Fargo All-American? I solve a lot of bar bets for people. So um, <laughs> I take a lot of those NCAA championship bar bets and I try to put them in a book. <laughs> and it initially started out as like a $10 thing. And now I think I sell it for 40 bucks, but it's just like, and Shane Sparks is like, you should sell that thing for a hundred. And if I could, I would, but I just don't think that um, 
I don't know. You know how some wrestling people are. It's like, oh, this should be free or you should be, you should tell advertising, dude. Nobody's going to buy, you know, an ad in a stat almanac, essentially. So mm-hmm. I, it's there for the diehards. It's there. It's designed for your tablets and stuff. So if you, now it's even on your phone. So it's now it's, I'm debating on whether or not to make it an app, but I just, I'm, I'm good with the layout. I know how to do it. I've gotten it streamlined to the point where it's like, this is, it's something I look forward to every year because ESPN uses it. The head table uses it. Um, it, it basically have created a, an, and it's essentially a yearbook up until the first whistle blows. I've thought about updating it for the postseasons. Like, okay, here's all the, the NCA results in it, but I'm like, what's the market in that? So mm-hmm. I'm curious on whether is there a market for a full yearbook and trying to maybe put in all the season results versus the individual results. Like, you know, the dual, there's so many tournaments out there. It's just hard to keep up. So um, it's basically just been a, a trial and error type of thing. You know, I sell, uh, but it's, it's a pretty good chunk that I sell, but it's not as many. I wish a thousand people were buying it. I, mm-hmm. I wish 10,000 people were buying it. Then I, I would just do that for a living, but no, um, it, you know, it's a couple hundred a year. So it's, it's enough to make it worth a while, but it, it's, it's taking uh, various different forms. And it's just, every time it's like my Fargo Almanac the same deal. I'll sit there and be like, Hey, have you ever thought about, and I'm like, damn it. Now I got, and I just can't, I can't get the idea out of my head. So I was just like, all right, well, how quickly can I implement this? Can I run pivot to, you know, pivot tables and VLOOKUP? I mean, I have pages and pages and pages of data that I just try to con- con- conglomerate and then try to say, okay, how can this data link to this data? And I'm trying to be self-taught with, with database programming, which I'm not, uh, mm-hmm. not very good at, but I can build a table, I can build a database and I can work VLOOKUPs and XLOOKUPs and, and Excel and Google Sheets and, you know, basically make the simple things that are out there work for me. I'm sure there's a better system in place. I just haven't had the patience to learn pro- a programming language to do it yet. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, and we only talked about one little piece of the puzzle that you do in the sport. And yeah. that seems like <laughs> up a lot of time. I mean, whole and, and you know, your your father, your husband, and you broadcasted you all these things. How do you juggle everything? I have a very, very amazing wife who mm-hmm. is a rock star in in what she does in life. But even before I met her, I was always had so many different things, even going back to high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one of those little, you know, those organizers where you had the box in because I did eight. I announced eight sports in high school. So mm-hmm. I'd have have the home schedule home and I would travel with various teams during the season. So I wouldn't do every you know, stats for every game, but I would be, you know, there's the home soccer games. I didn't travel with soccer, but baseball, I traveled with, I traveled with volleyball, I traveled with girls, basketball, traveled with wrestling, um, announced with, you know, and then home events. So, um, I've been keeping an organizer. Now it's all on your phone or, you know, we have a, a shared Apple calendar, which, you know, her meeting schedules, the girls, my, my two daughters, their days off of school, the, the schedule of events that I'm announcing on wrestling, my travel, the schedule I'm announcing college hockey. So, uh, basically it's basically a big schedule, but, the the flexibility I have to, you know, kind of be my own boss and work from home allows that flexibility to look, okay, I'm gone a lot. I was just gone for two weeks in Serbia, come back, wake up this morning, and we're back into plugging in the system. My wife is very good with organization and, and almost creating systems for, okay, we got two kids that are in two different buses now. They're not in the same school like they were last year. So it's actually easier. I've only got to make one lunch in the morning. She makes the older, older daughter's lunch. I make the younger. And, you know, she'll get her off the bus. I'll help with, with, with my youngest daughter and then we'll get it rolling, but we also have a dog. So there's walking the dogs at, at lunch breaks and in the evenings and such. So, and everything that goes with pet, um, and it's a golden doodle because I'm allergic to dogs. So I have to have something that's hypoallergenic because mm-hmm. I missed out on that fun. Although I did have, we did have four dogs in college. So think about this as a wrestling house, five guys, four dogs. 
Yeah, that was not exactly the most sanitary place in the planet. <laughs> but yeah, as far as just being able to have somebody that 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 gets me and understands my passion for, you know, it's not just just wrestling, but just passion mm-hmm. for announcing and broadcasting and having that flexibility and it's like, OK, does this event work in our schedule? Um, that's that's really great. So, uh, you know, our hours are a little different. She works from home. I work from home now. So we're both under the same roof all the time. But I spend a lot of my time in this cave, this speakeasy mm-hmm. I have. Um, that I created specifically for for podcasting and all my wrestling stuff because there's not a whole lot of wrestling stuff or um, you know vintage. I got vintage pennants, I got album covers, I got just goofy stuff. You know, a lot of Air Jordans and Dunks that you know, <laughs> I've, I've 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 acquired, and that's not going to be all over the house. <laughs> this is I got my space, and then I work in it here. And uh, again, with with without her, I couldn't have probably the structure that I need because I am very spastic. As you, you know, as as I kind of talked to with with the with the preview guide in the almanac, it's like I get an idea, I'm gonna jump on it right then and there. Such as like if I have the, the podcast series with Gray Simons, I've I've been working on it for like two years, but I've got one episode out. I got it out. Okay. I come back from Worlds, I'm like, I gotta get this extra episode out. And then I'm going back putting it together. I'm like, man, I need another interview. So helping Abby helping me get get things dialed in and said, Hey, you're gonna get that show out? I'm like, yeah, I need to. <laughs> Like that family guy, hey, you gonna work on that novel? Mm, right, <laughs> work on that novel. Mm, yeah. There's a novel coming. Yeah. So um again, her stability makes my spasticity, if that's a word, um, mm-hmm. tolerable and manageable. So that's really a lot of it. Wow. And and you you mentioned that you don't do just wrestling. You know, why I guess go back to the beginning then. You did volleyball, wrestling. Um, why did wrestling sort of stick more than the other ones? I don't really have a good answer for that other than, so I got, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster growing up. Mm-hmm. Always have been. Mm-hmm. I was, I was calling in sports talk radio and the drive time shows like going back to fifth grade. So you're calling in. Yeah. It's like, you know, they had the call in shows. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not like that crazy woman who calls in fine bomb, but it kind of was. So uh, it was a local radio station. Uh, back then it was 1310. Now it's ESPN 94.1 back in it's based out of Virginia Beach, but I grew up in southeastern Virginia. So I'd, I'd be the guy calling in. You know, I was paying attention to all sorts of sports. I mean, everything, uh, you know, where I went now that that place sucks. But I went there and their college basketball games were on the radio. Uh, you know, I'd listen to other other, you know, I'd pull, I'd be able to pull up WFAN out of New York. I mean, it was a giant, powerful radio station. So the wattage, you know fell down the East coast. So I listened to a lot of that, a lot of, a lot of stuff out of Cincinnati that I, I could pick up at night, uh, Xavier basketball. So I would listen to like the play by play guys for these various, you know, teams and, you know, pick up things that I like, Oh, wow. I can understand how to call a basketball game, not even having it on TV. So it's not just television. So I got a real big radio background quickly. And then, uh, you know, when you get, get around a microphone, there's not too many options. Some of these high schools now are, are well-connected. They're teched. Uh, that, you know, you can do a show. I mean, the kids nowadays, I mean, it's like to put up a YouTube video takes 10 seconds. Now, that wasn't a thing. Uh, I mean, I didn't even have the Internet until I went to college. So, I mean, it was dial up, too. So uh, but the opportunity to get on a microphone presented itself in high school I went to a smaller high school. So uh, we didn't have the shared football fields and shared facilities like some of the bigger city schools did around us in the metro area. But the opportunity to get on baseball as a freshman and learn how to keep stats on that, help me understand the game and how to announce the game right. Then same thing happened with girls basketball, volleyball, uh, got announcing soccer. I didn't do a whole lot of, you know, I didn't play soccer growing up. I was I just it wasn't my thing, but I did enjoy announcing. What also helped is these teams were winning teams. So when I got involved in them, 
Our girls basketball team went to state the year before. Our volleyball team, also the same thing. Wrestling team was notoriously, not notoriously, but, uh, you know, positively viewed as, as one of the better programs in the state. We were always behind Grundy at the time, uh, which was coached by Kevin Dresser back then before he went to Christiansburg. So uh, they were good. I knew they were and they were second in the state multiple times. Uh, baseball, we had, you know, that was the, the coach who brought me in right away. So I always had that tie. But I just got into wanting to announce everything. Then the coaches of these schools or these sports asked me. I'm a sophomore. Next thing you know, I'm announcing four sports. By the time I was a senior, I was announcing eight. Uh, home basketball. I mean, you know, it was just everything that was at Pocosin High School, essentially, except for football. Uh, Senor Fay, our, our our Spanish teacher, uh, Mr. Fay, Tom Fay, would always do the the home football games. I got to do one or two in his in his absence, but I just wanted to always be around a microphone. Always want to be around sports. And then I went to a dual meet in, you know, it was my sophomore year. I went to a dual meet. We beat a, a pretty big team, a big triple A's team. We were again, we had about seven hundred students. They were like. 3,000 students at the time. They may not be as many now because they built a bunch of high schools out in Chesapeake, but it was just like, oh, this is wrestling. Okay. And then I had a guy take me to dual meet. He explained me what a, what a, you know, how much a ball was worth, how much a tech fall was, you know, weight classes. And two days later with the Virginia duels, beat the 18th ranked team in the country in the first year of the national high school tournament. And I'm like, all right, it's wrestling things good. But by the time I was a junior, I was really into it and end up uh, making a failed effort at coming out for the team. I was awful. And, you know, we're ranked 24th in the country. I'm a first year kid. This is not going to go well for me. And it really didn't. So, uh, but I, you know, caught the bug a little bit and then, you know, started following rank because I'm a stat guy. I looked at rankings that were uh, out. There weren't any rankings. There was no internet. And then I started some local rankings for the newspaper and then saw this other guy named Chris Brewer who was doing them for the other district. And we put our heads together to come up with like all peninsula rankings with the AAA and the AA schools. And they ended up getting in the newspaper. I started working at the paper. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that went into funneling my passion for sports commentary. I've just always been around it. And I've always been like somebody wants to chronicle things or, or talk about things or broadcast things. And it's just I feel like with wrestling, it was in Virginia, it was a gap that we needed to fill. So uh, yeah. people in Iowa and Minnesota, for example, were, you know, basically spoiled with like the predicament and the guillotine for all those years. We didn't have that in Virginia. So when I started Matt Talk Online as a freshman in college in my dorm room uh, from a radio show that we did, the guy that trained me on the PA and then that, uh, you know, one of his buddies, we all, we got on a local radio station, AM radio, 1490 in Hampton, Virginia, and did Matt Talk. And then that, that just, you know, morphed into Matt Talk Online, which was the only name I could think of at the time. And then, you know, here I'm 25 years later, 26 years later, still Mad Talk Online still exists. It's a, it's vastly different than what it was, but uh, you know it was a Virginia site then. Now it's a you know it's a global, I guess you could say, podcast site. So a lot of things went into wanting to do it. I just want to be want to be broadcasting and wrestling. Just kind of kidnapped me when I was in college. Started announcing tournaments on the weekends to pay tuition. And let's be honest, it was a lot more uh, paying my bar tab. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was in college for seven years. I did it before COVID made it cool. Uh, and before the transfer portal and everybody's getting eighth years, I was getting a seventh year before, you know, you could get a seventh year. So, yeah. And I did this before Van Wilder came out too. So, uh, these are things that, uh, I've heard all these jokes. Yeah. I've heard the Tommy boy jokes. It was, I had a good time. And if I, w I wouldn't be here if, it, if, if it wouldn't take seven years, if I'd have gone four years and, and been out at 21, I would not be where I'm at today. So who knows? So, uh, you know, just all those things that went into just it was a beautiful disaster of, you know, butterfly effect, whatever you want to call it. Like mm -hmm. if, if this doesn't happen, this doesn't happen, this doesn't happen. Well, right place, right time, right place, wrong time, wrong place, right time. All those things kind of kind of come into where I where I am and what I do now. Wow. And what about um, 
you know, you as a person meeting these people and sort of inserting yourself in the sport, you know, cause wrestling can be sort of can, at times it can be closed off. You know, it can be hard sport to get into, I guess, let's just say, you know, and especially to be as successful as you have been. I mean, how did you, how were you able to navigate that as a freshman in college with little to no experience in the sport at all, you know, and little, little connection in the sport. And here you are, like you said, 25 years later, one of the most well-known people in the sport. Yeah, it wasn't overnight. Um, coming from Pocosin kind of helped because it's like, okay, that's a wrestling town. And my, my high school coach, Billy Roth was, was pretty good at making sure that, you know, I was a little mouthy. I didn't know the, the conduct and the tact, um, of, you know, you don't bring up losses to wrestlers that are like your friends and stuff. Like it's not funny. Um, so I, you know, when I finally got in the room, I got a little bit of that, uh, vigilante wrestling justice a little bit. So, I mean, um, it helped me understand a little bit more. And I still didn't understand that really, even in the college, um, but, you know, I, you know, I grew with this, I grew with the sport and just being around and taking my skill set that I had developed with, with, you know, announcing and broadcasting and bringing it into wrestling where, you know, we had a guy in the area, a guy named Ken Berger, who would, he would eventually announce the Olympics in London, but he was doing, you know, he was announcing the big dual meets and he was with Ed Aliverdi announcing the Virginia duels. So we had a voice in wrestling in the area and I was another voice in wrestling. And then I got the opportunity to start doing the regionals at you know the the group triple a regionals and and what was then the the hotbed of wrestling in the state and then people started hearing my voice we go oh you're the kid with the website and then that eventually they saw the work i was doing i was working in a newspaper so i put a little bit of a different spin on i was trying to be more professional with what was on the website and i had i had one of the early message boards uh one of the very first message boards in wrestling and it was a freaking train wreck (laughs) so many (laughs) times there weren't the logins like you had people just get on and put any name they wanted and it was just um you know matt talk online you know i mean you know john saritas who's the head coach of cal poly he was he was growing up in that area at the time he goes man that was like shit talk central because it was like i would have to go to class and these it'd be just it would just blow up in 50 minutes but um, I guess just getting the reps in, get people seeing people that you weren't just a flash in the pan. I mean, I, I did that site, you know, all the seven years in college, and then the year after I I stayed in Virginia before I moved to Pennsylvania. It was, it was a it just steady. They people started seeing me regularly. I was at a tournament every weekend, and then they saw the they knew they went to my website. The results they they saw. Oh, you write for the Daily Press. Like they there was a like almost like my work getting to the newspaper and starting the website was almost kind of validated the the outside work of rest in in things outside of wrestling coming into wrestling it's like oh there's a little professional spin on this and yeah again back to that kind of cocky 18 year old in me back then it was like okay you know this stuff is the best and you know there's another virginia site that launched and i'm you know we were we're friendly we're friends he did the triple a rankings i did the double a we're we're there's there's a quiet competition that, you know, we want to both promote the same thing, but we also want the web traffic, you know, I would, and there was no like ads. I wasn't getting click. I'm not getting paid for clicks. I didn't have a premium subscription. I always wanted it to be free. I didn't really have any advertisers, but just being able to just, I guess, being around and people seeing the quality of work, I think it, it kind of eventually negated the fact that, no, I, you know, I'm not the most technical, ta- even now I'm not the most technical tactical guy. Uh, when I can, I'm not a technique snob. I'm not going to look at a match and break it down for, 
okay, you know, this guy, you know, is a right leg lead and likes to like, likes to club the head this way and sweep to that. Like I'm not that guy. You're not going to get that technical ac- access from me. You're going to get answers to questions. You didn't know you were having, having answered yet. Hey, when was the last time? And I've already got the answer for you. So um, <laughs> utilizing my skill set in this sport has probably been the best niche that I've found because, you know, I, you know, I'm, you know, I get to announce the big events because of what I did and what I've honed over the last, you know, 30 years. So, I mean, I, first started announcing when I was 14 years old. I mean, I'm 44. So it's this 30 years of, of, of work here. And it's not just a, you know, I don't, I, anything but an overnight type of thing. You know, it took me, I didn't get the Olympics till I was 37 years old. So these, these things happen and they take time. And that's one thing I'll say to be patient with growing up. And I was, I figured I wanted it all there the minute. Now I thought it was thought I was going to be on sports center by the time I was 24 that didn't graduate college yet. So <laughs> these are things, but uh, again, being around and I think, just being sociable, um, talking to everybody, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I big time anybody. And sometimes I get busy and I, and I have to make a conversation short, but it's just, it's just sadly, it's, I would rather spend time talking to everybody, but I, I just can't sometimes, but, um, those early relationships and, and those people see that I gave a crap and I was doing something that wasn't being done. And I, I think all of those led to, you know, what people come to the site for, what people hire me for now. It's, just trial and error again, back to what we were talking about earlier, throw it, throw it spaghetti to the wall, see what sticks. And, you know, I found that there were some things that stuck early and that people liked that, uh, that kept me coming back. And, you know, the, the community was always good. Uh, you know, there's, there's a few of these snickers. I always joke that if I had cauliflower ear, I'd get a little bit more respect in the sport. But uh, at this point, if I gave, if I got cauliflower ear, people, they, they'd know it. <laughs> Well, you're a wrestler. You don't have cauliflower ears. Yeah, I wore my headgear. Actually, spent more. Time. I always joke I have cauliflower back. I don't have cauliflower ear, um, based on the amount of time I, was, you know, was looking at the ceiling. Mm-hmm. But no, those are those are kind of things. I just felt like you know the the consistency with air. I mean, I would spend more time updating the website than I would studying, and that also kind of led to my extended run in college. I gave more crap about wrestling than I did about you know the degree. Matter of fact, right now I spend more time on wrestling, and that degree is buried in my closet. So it's like, you know, I went to my 20 year high school reunion, you know, at this point, uh, probably like 2016, 2017. It's like, Hey, what are you doing now? It's like, same thing I did in high school, just at a professional level, like announcing, broadcasting, writing. Now there's a lot more website and podcast stuff into it, but yeah. So, uh, those, those are kind of the things that just kind of led to it. And, you know, I generally am a, a happy person. I mean, I can get in my moods when we're in, in stress, pressure packed parts of events, but ultimately I like to have fun. I like to, to make everything around me fun when we're working, uh, working with Brian Hazard at the, at the world's just for the last two weeks. I mean, we're just cracking jokes the entire time, keeping each other sane and not to say that's not a stressful environment, but those are things that uh, I generally try to have a good disposition uh, when, when working. And I think that's what also helps. What did, what did you graduate with real quick? I graduated with a uh, bachelor of science communications and minor in journalism from uh, old dominion university in Norfolk, Virginia. So uh, I worked at a newspaper, the daily press from the time I was days after I turned 17 through the year after through about two months, three months after I graduated college. So was there from, let's see, September, let's see, August of 96 through, I want to say, yeah, my last day was Thanksgiving of 2004. So. Wow. That's where um, all my stuff was the paper is in the newsroom. It's uh, not necessarily what I learned in the classroom. Gotcha. Some good professors though. I did have a couple good ones that were there, but ultimately I was there to get the piece of paper. So right. I probably could have gone into college with a better disposition and uh, attended more classes more regularly. <laughs> I didn't discover that till like year four or year five, mm-hmm. 
when, uh, yeah, once I actually started going to class, my grades went up. Amazing how that works. I know. I know. I found that out firsthand too myself. <laughs> and one of my college roommates, uh, Ben Summerlin, he transferred in from Longwood when they dropped the program and he, he was, a uh, you know, very diligent. Um, and he would like come in, he had came in and he had like a, but I think he like a sprained knee or meniscus or something. He gets into my, he comes in, this is like literally first day of class comes in my door, has his crutch and starts hitting me with the crutch. Like get up time to go to class. Cause we were like in the first class together. It's like, Oh great. I got a class with him right off the bat. So, uh, you know, it was like my, that, that year five when I made the Dean's list and made 118 classes in a row or something, didn't miss one until like wow. the last month of the, the first semester. Cause I had to announce a wrestling tournament. So uh, it was, you know, that really helped. So when I tell people like, what's the key to cause like go to class, mm-hmm. you could be hung over, go to class. They're going to see you made the effort. If it's an 89.4 and an 89.5 and they round up, go to class. They're going to notice you there. That's uh, that's one of the big things I learned. Go to freaking class. Yes, yes, for sure. And I have professors now tell me that all the time, too. You know, um, maybe they don't really do anything much with participation, but they'll notice. They notice. They're not, you know especially in those smaller classes when there's only 20, 30 kids. And that's where I, I, I was actually better in those classes. Those 400, yeah. 500 people. Being, didn't yeah. I mean, I took theater three times and it was a Kate course. I just couldn't deal with it. I was like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, I can't. I'm, how am I going to freaking write on that? Come on. The Misa, you know, my film classes, like with a smaller class were great. Yet the, the theater class was 400. No, it's half my <laughs> high school's in this building. Screw that. I, I'm definitely a better learner in smaller class situations. So yeah, I probably might've been better off going to a smaller school, but you know, I was local. I knew all the local people. That's why I stayed and, and went to where I did mm-hmm. despite me hating the place now. Oh, Oh yeah. Old dominion. They, they dropped the program. And I'm sure that was probably a sore spot for you. It's still store spot because they yeah. refused to talk to me. So anyway, I don't want to make this show about me bitching about my alma mater because uh, <laughs> you've got something you're trying to do here. And I want to make sure we're staying on your, your path. This is not no. my rant hour. You got, I got rants about this <laughs> stuff for years. It's been three years, but anyway. No, I, I appreciate it. You know, I, it, it, I think it's just, I think it's a sore spot for everybody. Whenever a program's dropped, you know, and, and especially for you being an alma mater, like, I, I don't know what I would do if Nebraska dropped the program, you know, you and O, you know, just down know the road. Who to, I know who to blame. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The same guy that did it when he was at UNO. Anyway. Yes. But, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. we, we can crap on Trev all we want, but that's not going <laughs> to help. That's not going to help right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. When he got the AD job, I was like, oh, man. And then some people were like, yeah. Ooh, oh, yeah. Uh, Nebraska guy. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I always wondered. I, this, like I, I look at this only, only thing I want to say about Trev. So. Yeah. Because uh, apparently he's still beloved by the Husker football nation. I don't yes, yes. I didn't grow up out there. So I didn't, I don't, I mean, I remember him and I just, my favorite thing about, about Edwards was the, who the hell is Mel Kuyper comment from when he was drafted by the Colts. I love that. That's the one situation. Uh, him. I forgot he was drafted by the Colts, right? Yeah. Pick. I think it was like the fifth pick or something. I'm not sure what it was, but it was like, who the hell is Mel Kuyper? I remember that one. But um, what thing is, is if you put, you took the name off his resume, mm-hmm. you've got a big 10 job opening up and you're looking through just based on uh, not athletic credentials. Okay. Division two AD dropped wrestling that had won five national, like I thought it was six national titles, seven at that point or whatever it was drop football, which is the money sport at this university. What of those three things makes you say, hmm, Big Ten athletic director? <laughs> Nothing. No. Nothing. Right. 
So uh, do you think the guy that dropped the program at Anderson University in South Carolina was going to be a finalist for the Nebraska job? No. You know, it's like the guy that dropped football at Northeastern and Hofstra was going to be. No. Oh, but drop it down, down the road at Omaha in a championship sport. Yeah, you're a big 1080. That's the one thing that I always found was like, yeah, this is this is what it is. But anyway, yeah. let's talk wrestling. That's the name of your show. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to hijack it on my rants. Everybody's heard my rants before. I want to hear what you have to ask. <laughs> well, this isn't my, my show. This is your show. My listeners probably haven't heard the rants, and they probably, like I said, they probably all feel the same way. But okay. Anyway, I found it interesting that you dove headfirst into wrestling, especially when you were in college. You created this Matt Talk online. You were you became heavily invested in the sport of wrestling, and. You know, I know it's a simple question, but why? I mean, there's other sports that make more money, that have more stats that you could dive into. And here you are going full speed headfirst into wrestling. So I guess I'm just curious, you know. I think it was access, honestly, Uh, getting the ability to learn Mm -hmm. a sport firsthand and then also develop friendships with people. And it did did not hurt that our high school was really good because the Mm -hmm. basketball team in that time was like one in 22. So, and you know, I, I played basketball for a long time growing up, but it was one of the things like, okay, access and asking questions. And like, again, I give my credit to my high school coach who was very open to answering my questions. I didn't know who, like, I didn't know who the brands brothers were. Like, I didn't know who Kendall cross was. I mean, I watched Kurt angle when, you know, the Olympics from a, from a hospital waiting room. I'm like, who, okay, what, what's the deal? With, who's Kurt angle? Like, yeah, it's like, I didn't know any of this stuff. And then they, it was welcoming that they would answer my questions. And I asked a lot of questions because I talk a lot, go figure. I get paid to talk for a living now. So, you know, it's one of the things where, and then going to going to college and having access and then ask an athletic director, Hey, I'll announce your tournament. And he's like, I don't have any money to pay you. Like the, the first, Friday at Lake Taylor. I like I did for free the first year. But yeah, I'll do it for free because I need to get my feet wet. They gave me access. They, they trusted me enough to to let me kind of go with a microphone. I didn't get paid to announce matches at Old Dominion. They, you know, Coach Simons, who's a two time Olympian, is like, yeah, sure. You, I've heard you announce locally at the at the high school tournaments. You can announce, you know. So I did the dual meets at ODU, and they didn't take, you know, like the athletic department sure as heck didn't give me any benefit there. It was the coach saying, yeah, he's going to do it, and they just said, okay, whatever. Um, and then the opportunity like, oh yeah. And then the, it's just like high school when people hear you, they want to hire you. So if you think you do a good job, it did regionals, then started doing turns around the state. But again, getting that opportunity to where, you know, nobody's beating my door down to hear me call a basketball game because it's a saturated world. So the fact that it's a niche sport and I had some, some things that wrestling helped me hone my craft because it gave me reps just like drilling a single leg over and over and over again. If you're drilling it wrong, you're going to have to find, okay, I got I to gotta make sure I do this right. And that takes practice, takes repetition. I get enough reps, and that's what I want to do in high school is get, so many, get, get reps in so many different sports so I wasn't just locked in, and all of a sudden what happens? I get locked into one sport. But it, it's just the access wrestling gave me. And then from a sporting perspective, it's one-on-one. It's hand-to-hand comment. You can't call timeout. You can't blame the referee. Yeah, you can blame the referee, but that's what do we say? If, you know, Don't put the match in the referee's hands. There are so many things about the purity of the sport that drew me into it that I'm like, yeah, I like this because it's a sport that's like, it's it's account you put your, you hold yourself accountable. And granted, I wasn't the best at that putting in my own self, my own self in that position, but it was like, 
it was it was just exciting to see the the parents, you know, just the exciting little town I had that was just wrestling craze. I mean, you go to the state tournament, one half was Grundy, the other half was mostly Pocosin and then everybody else. So it was like last one in town, you know, turn last one out of town, turn the lights off when you leave kind of thing. So <laughs> I think it was that community aspect, um, understanding wrestling culture from a place that knew how to win and also a place that knew how to take a loss because we didn't win the title for a long, long time. So um, it's funny because the only time anybody would cheer for us in high school was when we were at the state tournament because we weren't winning. We get mm-hmm. booed out of our gym at our own regionals because <laughs> we could win four, you know, win 13 weight classes or something like that. So, uh, but I think just having that access really was the big thing that kind of just draw me to it. And I just, I just fell in love with the sport. And the thing is, we don't have, we don't have the stats that we need. We still, I'm still unearthing stuff from an, am- an amateur wrestling news right here from, where is it? This is 1950. What? You know, it's, it's a scan version that I, I, I printed out and bound. Uh, and I reference these things all the time. And these stats aren't digitized. There's things in here that aren't like the Wilkes open from 1960. Nobody knows where the freaking results for those things are. And it's just, that's, it just kind of played to my like, Hey, we can, we can write this down. We can, I can pull this stuff. And I pulled all these records and rankings when I was announcing. So bringing all those things in together and then wrestling didn't have, and I just, I got shown, you know, a pretty good bit of appreciation. I think that's what also helped is there was a degree of satisfaction in what I was doing and the wrestling community appreciated it. It wasn't the fact that I was, Oh, you know, I'm some great wrestler now going into broadcasting. No, I was far from the, I was, might have been one of the worst wrestlers in the history of my high school. Uh, you know, I didn't make the yearbook picture. That's how bad I was. So it's like one of those things, like it's just, it, it sucked me in the competitive aspect of it sucked me in the camaraderie of it sucked me in. And then to see, you know, I think it really took hold later when I'm in college and I go to Fargo for the first time in 1999 and seeing all these kids that are rivals from other schools as part of team Virginia. And I'm like, Oh, this is where all they get all those cool Team Virginia jackets. Because mm-hmm. you'd see him, like they'd see him in there. I was like, wait, oh, Stith, he's pretty good. Wow. Oh, he's got a, that's a Team Virginia. Oh, he must be really good. He wrestled in Fargo. Like, you know, because my high school teammate was a, was a you know, cadet world team member and was a Fargo finalist. I actually lost to Cliff Moore in the Fargo finals. So there's, there are ties in, there's ties in an Iowa thing for you. So that's, you know, <laughs> that's the name some of, some of your folks that back, back in, in Iowa will understand. So it's oh, like yeah. these things helped. And understanding, learning the structure of the sport and then just being a stat mining guy. So then I could rip off, oh, yeah, this guy's ranked here. This guy lost to so-and-so. And the parents asked me, oh, well, ask, ask him. He knows. And I just go, oh, yeah, they lost to him at the regionals 4-3. Uh, it was an overtime. You know, being able to just provide something also helped, too. So I, I think I provided some type of value to our community. And then eventually I, I provided value to a, a greater community. And I think that was really what, what made it accepting and, you know, I, I thought I was going to be, you know, the next Vern Lundquist, something like that. And just that, that didn't happen for me the way I was hoping it would, but I am definitely, I'm not dissatisfied by my career path and wrestling is, you know, that access again, that access to wrestling has opened doors to things. I never thought I would, you know, nobody, nobody, when they're announcing high school baseball in the ninth grade thinks they're ever going to announce the Olympics. I mean, mm-hmm. I've done it twice. I'm probably going to get the third. That's that's not official yet, but it's like I've been to I've been to three. I've announced two. Uh, it's like really, it's it's because mm-hmm. of wrestling, and it's because of its access. Because I had the access to the sport, and you know, I can't. I'm not one of these people to be like, ah, oh, wrestling taught me so much about perseverance and grit and how to get to. No, wrestling taught me 
about being a community, about being the most disjointed, dysfunctional family that we love so much. I mean, it's like my friend, Sarah, uh, Sarah Levin, she, she described it pretty well. She goes, it's a family. It's a dysfunctional one, but it's a family. Cause you know, we, we infight all the time. We can't go. I mean, we argue with our friends online. Um, mm-hmm. It's not quite like politics and religion discussions, but like you can be good friends with a cyclone, but come that Cyhawk duel, look out, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's the rivalries are more polarizing than most places you'll end up. But thing is at the end of the night though, you'll go drink beer with that Oklahoma state cowboy fan. And you'll sit there and talk and you'll argue about a dual meet call. Oh, well, Ambrose blew that call. That's why you won that. You'll have all that's, I mean, the thing about wrestling is, is so the community is so great. And mm-hmm. again, accepting it's a little tough to break in. Um, Because I think some of us still put up these barriers like, oh, what do they know? And guess what? If I'd have had those barriers and I got ran off, I mean, I don't know where my career would be. So I'm thankful that I was from a community that that accepted me even as mouthy and obnoxious as I was at 17, or some people dare I say, I'll not, you know, snobby, obnoxious, and smug at 44. Uh, you still got that, but you know that access really was a big part of you know falling in love with the sport. I mean, I, you know, hockey's even doing the same thing now. Like the the college hockey community was very welcoming when I came into St. Cloud state and I'm in a, in a college hockey discord. And those, a lot of, a lot of folks in that discord are, you know, 20 years younger than I am, but they're very welcoming and explaining things. So I was like, Hey, what, why is this team getting this much love? It's like, Oh, well, it's because of this, this, and this, or, you know, they'll claim, you know, it's funny because they're, they're, they're just as tribalistic as we are. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, if you're from, you're from the state of Minnesota, you hate university of North Dakota. And if you're from St. Cloud state, you, you, you hate the Gophers, you hate the fighting Hawks. You, you know, you hate Duluth. And, and it's, it's just, just like, if you're, you're from Iowa, you, you hate Michigan, you hate Minnesota, you, you hate mm-hmm. Iowa State. It's just so similar, and they've been very welcoming too. So uh, I've been fortunate enough to to be in two very hard-nosed but sometimes closed-off sports that have been very welcoming to an outsider who, one, I've become my wrestling's become my home and, and you know what I've been known for, and then you know have another one coming into year two of hockey. It's been great. So, um, again, access – and I feel like I've filled a need a lot of places when I've shown, I was like, put my skill set to use. Like, okay, let's, what can I do here? And, and wrestling has been very, very open to basically give me a hands-on tryout for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we're, you know, we're really lucky to have, to have you, you know, in our sport announcing, having somebody like you, who's very invested in, into the, the nuts and bolts of the sport, the history, you know, things like that, I feel is it's, we take it for granted, you know, especially the announcing that you do. If as a broadcast major, when you listen to somebody who's bad at announcing, it's, it, it's awful. It it makes the product terrible because you can't stand the announcers, you know? So to have somebody as as prepared and as good as you are, we are very lucky. And I don't think we realize it. You know, and until we listen to someone who's not that good. The one you know. thing I'll say about in in the the Nebraska Penn State duels, the one I think everybody talk goes to back with the illegal fist to the back on Student U uh, years ago. What we have now is instant access to a lot more streaming. But the thing mm-hmm. is, is with wrestling, you usually have broadcast people that don't know wrestling. When I did my first match, oh my god, I was awful. PA, okay, you, you can sound good, but not know what the hell you're talking about. And that's the thing we got to realize. It's like you are seeing these kids, 
and I'm saying they're kids because they're 18, 19 years old, uh, get thrown into situations that they try to prepare. They just don't know what they're watching. Right. And in order for them to get the basketball gig, they have to do the field hockeys. They have to do the wrestlings. They have to do the soccer. And, you know, we're, we're a lot of these, the era now grew up with, with sports center catchphrases and stuff. I just think I'm just thinking about the boom goes the dynamite guy. I don't mm-hmm. know, if you know who, but he's like as a student broadcaster. I think he was at ball state and he was reading a pro, the prompter was going too fast. You don't know what they're, what's going through their mind. Like what's happening. Like, oh no. That, and boom goes the dynamite. And now that guy's got a successful, like, I think he's a sportscaster somewhere. He's, he's drifted around, but he's, <laughs> when we're seeing these people get thrown in there and I always said, let's pair a rookie broadcaster with a season broadcaster. And then, yeah. then you develop them. And by the time they're a senior, they can teach them. Some schools are, are good at this. And some, some schools with student, you will have somebody like Eric Olanowski, for example, works for United World Wrestling, but he wrestled at yep. Michigan state. He does a lot of the Michigan state uh, stuff there. And, you know, you can get spoiled being from wrestling communities. Like there's, there's people here in Minnesota that that do like webcasts or small radio stations that are every bit as good as the guys on ESPN. Uh, but they're, they're local guys. They know the sport and you know, it's, it's something that's like, sometimes it's like, you know, why can't you call that guy? Well, they don't know they exist. So mm-hmm. sometimes the, the student, you guys, I mean, I would have loved to have had an opportunity like the big 10 network in, in college. Like it would have, I mean, I did Comcast, I was the first student sideline reporter for Comcast Sportsnet at the CAA basketball game of the week. And it was a Drexel Old Dominion game. And I'm sitting there wow. hovering behind Bruiser Flint trying to get things. And there was an injury right before me. And it was like, I, you know, I was in the NCAA news for that. And I was like, ah, it's great. And then nothing else really happened for that. Whereas, you know, I don't know how many people I've got the VHS of it, but now you can have a clip so quickly and make your own reel on YouTube. And it's, it's just quick. But we also remember, to my initial point, you have to remember, these kids are learning on the job and they are in an audience that knows more than they do about what they're doing. So we mm-hmm. also have to give them a little grace. And again, not, not, not Stephen Grace. We can't give Steve Grace to everybody. We have to give grace and just say, hey, these people are learning. And oh, why don't you just get somebody? Well, you have to start somewhere. And guess what? We are not number one in the pecking order of college sports. So we're not going to, we're, we're, by the time they're good, they're on, you know, your five, you know, four or five at Syracuse or somebody, something like that. They're the season ones. Cause they've gotten, they've come through this, this stuff. I, I fully expect these people that are doing the student you stuff as freshmen to get good enough to be doing the, the student you stuff. If they do things with bigger sports and have a real, and then, okay, well I've done wrestling it may not be the best in the world, but remember they're learning too. It's like, you're making fun of the first year kid on the mat for getting pinned by the state champ. Uh, on, you know, in front of a, a packed house. So like that kid's just learning. That kid mm-hmm. has no chance of beating. This kid is not going to know more than the state champ first time out there. So they're going to get better. And those, those guys that did the illegal fist to the back, they're a lot better now than they were then. I can tell you that, but you know, it, it's like having the, the worst moment of your life sent out there on the internet for everybody to see. Yeah. I mean, we're still talking about illegal fist to the back 11 years later or how many years it is. So, um, you know, just being seeing those reps. I mean, get those reps and just don't be afraid to make mistakes. The problem is, is your mistakes are out there for the internet. You could become a meme like that. So it's, it's real, it's difficult now to break in. And then, you know, you could be on a stream that nobody's watching or, you know, and there's a kid at a, at a Messiah college right now, Josh Rosado. He's starting to do PA for wrestling, but he's starting to do uh PA at other sports in college. He sent me his reels. I was like, uh, you know, videos like, yeah, I like that. It's like, you don't have to do it like this. And, you know, not to be discouraging to those people when they try is like, man, that guy did terrible. Uh, don't, you don't, don't, don't have to tear anybody down right off the bat. Now, sometimes like, yeah, that was rough. You know, I, you know, that was, that was bad. Maybe they could do this, but 
Um, I try not to tear anybody down when I hear somebody for the first time because I've been in that role before. I know that some of my stuff is just, you know, I go back 20 years and listen to some stuff. Like, Oof. I mean, there's some YouTube videos even like 15 years ago from like when USA Wrestling started streaming. I'm just like, yeah, can we take that down? I'm uh, Sometimes I'll scroll. It's like anybody leaving the comments on this thing because this some of those things I had to do in Fargo was was with limited freestyle experience in the early years were, were bad. Uh, I remember one point I, I said I was doing a Greco with Rob Cheryl, who does all the he's done a high school. He's been a high school guru for years. I was like, man, Rob, we're four days into Fargo. I haven't seen a cradle yet. And he goes, yeah, Jay, because it's Greco. So, you know, just simple things like that, you know, but again, we got to give these people grace because I was awful when I started in this sport in pretty much everything about it. These broadcasters that have never seen it, you got to give, they got to get their reps in. And sometimes they're a basketball guy that wants, that has, that has to do wrestling, give them the grace They're They, they, sometimes they're talking too much, you know, best thing you can do is say, Hey, here are some just suggestions. Don't tear them a new one. Um, constructive criticism with here's what you can do better, not here's what you did wrong. So mm-hmm. those are some tips that I have. And sometimes I've reached out to these people unsolicited and be like, hey, heard your broadcast. You sound good. Here's what you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you can take it or leave it. Sometimes it's like, you know, I, you know, it's you know, my mansplaining, my wrestlesplaining, my, I don't know what the word is when you're just telling somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. Here's how you can do it. You know, it's not like I have the best way of like, here's a roadmap to maybe help help you. So those are the things mm-hmm. I'm very sensitive with, with, uh, with the noobs and that are out there. Cause I was a newbie with college hockey and first game. I forgot to say, I actually, I didn't forget to say nobody. I was, wasn't told to say one minute remaining in the period. And like, it took the, the St. Cloud state Twitter to D to like tweet at me between periods. Be like, when you ask how much time is left and add Jason and Bryant doesn't answer. And then I like, I'm like, Oh yeah, you're supposed to say one minute. We didn't tell you. I have never forgotten it again. Oh, so, <laughs> Yeah, I told him it said it'll never happen again. So those are things that uh, you you welcome the noobs. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they don't get discouraged and they have something positive to say about the sport because maybe if they're a TV exec one day and they remember a bad experience they had when they were mm-hmm. wrestling. Let's not be that type of group of people. Like I said, we're dysfunctional. We can be dysfunctional with each other. Let's welcome people into the sport. And that's where like what people say, like, oh, the casual fan, the new fan. I was the new fan once upon a time. Mm-hmm. I was that guy we're trying to reach. So I speak from that, from experience, dual meets, things like that. Rookie broadcasting, not knowing what the heck uh, that particular move is called, like calling, you know, seeing the hand motion and confusing them. Uh, those type of things. Grace, <laughs> just give them the space to grow with the sport. Like I was, I was, I was given that benefit. So I, 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 I request we do that to the new broadcasters as well. Yes. Yes. Love it. Um, Cause I'm a part of student you, you know, last year I did the Nebraska duels. I did one with Kyvin Gats and I did one with Eric Schultz. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little nicer when you have somebody like that by your side who knows the sport. Softball, um, a man just thought, give him the lobs. Yeah. Those are the situations where, you know, the guy next to you knows more than the person at home. And that's yeah. where you're, you're in, you're in the, uh, you're in the driver's seat there. You don't have to say anything. Jim Gibbons calls it down and distance. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked some duels with him back in the day. You know, we did some Fox College sports stuff. So, so you're uh, you're you're down a distance. Yeah. Time, score, Jim, down three going in the third. What are we doing here? So just set them up, set them up. Just, mm-hmm. just keep and again, it's that, that theory, keep it simple, stupid. That's yeah, it gets you can get so far in this world by keeping things simple. And broadcasting, it's not it's it's not easy, but it's also not hard when you, mm-hmm. you concentrate on a few things. So you mm-hmm. set them up, and if now if they don't help you. Then you're kind of screwed, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah. So 
those are the things like, well, he was a state champ, you know, two years ago. No, he was state champ last year. Don't yell. Come yeah. on. Let's ease up on that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So my, I guess, let me ask you this. How did you, did, let me ask you first, did you ever feel discouraged? Did you ever go oh. through that period where you were like, man, what am I doing? I'm bad or I'm getting some hate or whatever online and maybe I need to do something different. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime, and I've, and I've always put my name on everything. So there's a good and a bad that comes with that. So I've been, I was Jason Bryan on the Matt forums in 2001. I was posting my name on Matt. Talk. So uh, part of that was to, to get my name out there. And part of that was to say, Hey, I'm putting my name on what I'm saying. Right. Um, yeah. There's some discouragement when a lot of it is, is biding your time because to, to speak to my expectations when I was younger, because I, you know, I wanted to do all this by the time I was 25, you know, I am looking at what's what Shane Sparks is doing right now. Shane Sparks is you know, want to be a broadcaster for as long as he can remember to in, he's a little older than I am. So in his mid forties, he's getting cracks now at college football. Like I thought I was ready to announce the state tournament and announce bigger things when I was in my twenties, it takes time. And your forties is not that long away, long, long, long down the line. I'm, I'm, I'm 44 years old now. And I'm like, crap. I still speak. Like I remember things I did in college 20 years ago. Like, dude, remember that time? And it was like, and I remember the details and I'm like, yeah, I thought, I, I thought I could have been ready then, but you bide your time. You work your way. Basically it's like you, and I hate to say pay your dues because some people are just naturally gifted and awesome. Guys like yeah. Adam Amin and Mike Cousins, who we've been fortunate enough to have in wrestling as our ESPN play-by-play guys the last several years. You know, mm-hmm. Adam is like the, the this generation's like big gun. This guy is good. And there's not a whole lot of people that are better than him right now. And he got access and his opportunity young. That doesn't happen for a lot of us. And I didn't I didn't understand that when I was younger. It's like, I'm ready to write this. I need to do that. I, you know, and then, you know, it takes some, some gut checks. Um, it takes just getting down. It's like, why didn't I get this gig? Or why wasn't I, why didn't I get this award? You know, early years, like, you know, I didn't get, uh, I remember I didn't get an award from wrestling USA magazine for the state man of the year. Cause the guy that started the website the same year I did me and Bill Swink both started websites the same year. And he was older than I was. He, he was connected, more connected. And I was like, well, I was like, well, my website's better. It looks better. My, my rankings are better. My, my, I've got more results. I was like, why did he get it? And the next year, another guy got, it. I was like, well, I, I was, I was supposed to get this last year. So Stop worrying about yourself was, is one thing you have to learn. It'll come if, if you're good and you, you treat people right and you learn to control your emotions. Cause that's probably my case. It was my mouth um, mm-hmm. because I was like, I'll say a lot of this too. Um, I overcame some shortcomings in, I guess, want to say, I don't want to say leadership, but um like role model type stuff. So like I, I, there's certain things like tact and cooth. I was not really taught from a younger age that I kind of wrestling did help me learn. So that's one thing I can say, like learning, you know, shut up, <laughs> you know, um, that's one thing that I think wrestling helped me learn is, is like the mentality of like the, the entitlement, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You're not owed anything, you know, or like what, well, you know, coach brain, you know, get what you earn, that type of stuff. But in, you know, don't everybody's in a, such a damn hurry to get the accolades and stuff and get the access. Well, it took me, you know, I was 30, let's see, 2016, I was 37 when I got an NCAA championship. And the first time I was at NCAAs is 2002, and I thought I was good enough to do it then. Nobody knew who I was. It took, you know, 15 years later, 14 years later for, for that to happen. So, um, 
the discouraging thing is some, sometimes people don't even know you're discouraging. Problem is, is um, sometimes we just air that stuff publicly now. We didn't have you know a lot of social media to, to vent your frustrations on. And uh, that's one thing that I, I would warn the current generation of like, you know, some things you keep to yourself. You don't have to let the world know what you're thinking all the time. And yeah, I got discouraged. And it's like, what did you know? You never wrestled. I mean, I've even got friends in, in college that to this day would still question what I'm saying because dude, you never, you barely wrestled, dude. You are, you didn't wrestle. You know, it's like that type of stuff. So yeah, there's, there's, there's discouragement. And I, you know, Taylor Swift's pretty popular right now because she's talking because the whole Kelsey thing, but like the hater, you know, and I remember, you know, haters going to hate. Yeah. Guess what? That's part of life now. And I, I was a, where are your emotions on your sleeve type of guy? So I, I took a lot of that stuff personally. And I, I feel like sometimes me kind of barking at somebody on the internet, like with a forum, like that's messed up or barking at them. It, it became a reflection on, on not me trying to say, hey, you're being a jerk here. It came off like I was looking like a jerk. That wasn't the intent. So those are things I I, I kind of, you know, dwelled upon when I was younger. And uh, I spent a lot less time on social now and message boards than I do. I mean, I'm still on them because that, that's I like talking to wrestling fans. Like mm-hmm. I'm at the world, world championships and I'm on the forums and in Discord and on Twitter just chatting up. Like, I mean, yeah, like match days that I'm announcing, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, so there's a question. here's like, it's on the schedule. Here's a link like this. Things like that. Like I it's it's hard to like everybody kind of wants to be nobody wants to be disliked. You know, I don't like mm-hmm. to play the heel. Never like playing the heel. Liked a lot of heels watching pro wrestling, but you know, it, it's that imposter syndrome sometimes. I know uh, you talked to Lori Ayers about that, and like in you know, that was one thing that even you know, those of us that didn't wrestle as much as some of the greats did, or as much as some of the not greats. I was a far from a I'm you know, whatever when it comes to wrestling. You know, it was like, what do, what am I doing here? That's that that another thing here. So you gotta also, you know, balance that. Like, yeah, you've you've earned your place here. So yeah, there's a little bit of that that comes in. And you know, early those early years, like, yeah, I deserve this. No, I I finally earned it. It's not it's not not what you deserve. It's what you earn. You earn it. And sometimes good people get overlooked, and that sucks. And then sometimes, uh, right place, right time. And sometimes it's who you know. Sometimes, you know, people will do business with people they know, like, and trust. And thankfully, I've been in a situation where people have generally liked me. I mean, I, I've got some people that that are turned off by my presence or, you know, how they think I am. Uh, and that's probably my own fault from, you know, piping off or, you know, popping off at people on the Internet in, in certain ways. And that's why I prefer to do things, you know, verbally versus sometimes you're on a message board trying to trying to correct somebody politely and it comes off like you're you're down talking mm-hmm. them and that's never my intent sometimes somebody's a complete asshole and I'll tell them such but <laughs> sometimes that person knows they are anyway and you're not going to change their mind so really it's not worth wasting your time because you're never going to change their opinion so mm-hmm. uh, I realized I said a lot a lot of word word salad there but ultimately yeah I mean you, you do well you feel good you want people to know you think that you want you want that that I don't want to say admiration but you want the acknowledgement, like, hey, good job. It's always nice to hear good job. Oh yeah. Um, another another thing I would say is learn how to learn how to accept a compliment because I still at 44 struggle with it. Same. So like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, great job. And learn how to say thank you. Mm-hmm. I to this day struggle with saying thank you or I appreciate it. That is mm-hmm. one thing. Just and you know, don't tell them how bad your day was until that moment. I am just horrible at that. So uh, and I'm again, this is you know. I'm learning how to do this myself. So it's still such a learning experience. So 
Uh, everybody struggles with, you know, their, their own issues. It's not, to me, it's not mental health. It's more of just like a mental headspace. Like, where am I? Um, am I, am I in a healthy mental headspace right now? It's like, okay, yeah, I'm good. You know, and if you make a mistake, just move on. Don't dwell on it. You say a name wrong at the world championships, dude, Mongolian, it's going to happen. Just go, don't even acknowledge you screwed up. Uh, you know, just, you know, winter in blue, uh, you know, well, my bad winter in red or just, just move on. And in blue, in red, you know, just move on past it. Don't dwell on it. Just, ah, crap, mess that up. Keep going. So those are kind of uh, the things that I've gone through with that. And it's there's a lot of years of emotions that I've learned as a, I've grown as a human being to come to that point. Because, yeah, I mean, there are things we get, you know, you're in a situation where 18,000 people in that building, most of them know more than you do about wrestling. So you have to say something to them that they don't know or mm-hmm. sound good to them or or get the re, get the arena pumped up because like my co-announcer brian hazard for example he he, he won he won Far, fargo before it was fargo he's been a state championship coach you know he wrestled in college like i didn't do any of these things so mm-hmm. um you know i know that most people that have been going to the ncaa tournament for that many years know more than i do about wrestling i'm not trying to tell them something they don't know about the sport i'm trying to tell them something they don't know about the sport if that makes any sense mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually, um, real quick, you touched on something that I was going to ask you about was imposter syndrome. You know, when you have former roommates or whatever of yours say, you don't know, you didn't wrestle. Like, how how long did you deal with that, if you did at all? And how did you maybe get over that? I still did. Um, part of it is when I got older, um, I guess the year after I graduated, I actually went into our, our room at PWA, the Peninsula Wrestling Association. And uh, Corey Ace and John Testa were our coaches at that point. Um, and we've had a good line of good coaches through there, but I came in and I was living at home in, in Pocosin after I graduated with my dad and I had my pair of shoes and I started going in and I started actually getting back on the mat and learning, uh, probably a lot more about freestyle. Another thing is, is I spent a lot of time in Fargo with the referees and asking questions. So when it comes to international wrestling, I, I knew what I was watching. I, I was like, I'd ask questions. Hey, why? I thought you couldn't counter in the zone. Why is it? Well, this is because here they didn't change directions. Like the David Taylor Yazdani call from this past weekend, um, or I guess this more than a week now, you know, Yaz, it was Taylor's attack. Yeah. Yazdani threw him over, but it was Taylor's attack. Yazdani didn't stop him and change direction. So that's going to be the, they're going to reward the attacking wrestler. It's a simple explanation. Now at some point mm-hmm. you stopped and then hip go the other way, even though the red wrestler attacked, well then, then you're going to get the counter. So those type of things help me understand the rules more. Now I'm struggling sometimes even with folk style. Okay. Where the pressure against the joint and, and the college rule book is that freaking thick. So uh-huh. um, knowing the officials and then asking questions is where I've been able to learn and, you know, no, that's not what the situation is. So I make sure that I, if I have something, if it's technical, I'm probably not going to win that. And I'm probably not going to engage that, that argument. Um, I'll also look at intangibles like, you know, okay, well, he's coming off a bad way. And I'm looking at results like uh, in a lineup of result, like this kid didn't wrestle this well, this match, but then blue, it's like eight. Hey, uh, it's gotta be a hard cut. Cause his first round match is always crap. You know, things like that. I'll pick up on things that aren't always about the score, but the score helps you pick up on things. So um, it's still hard. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to sit down and if I have a conversation with Jim Gibbons about something, it's like, it's, it's going to be really hard for me to win an argument when it comes to technique, mm-hmm. coaching mindset, wrestling. I mean, national champion coach, national championship wrestler, like broadcast, like it's, it's going to be, I have to bring something to that discussion that validates my viewpoint that he doesn't have. So a lot of that is 
Um, and that's, I'm using Jim as an example because Jim talks to everybody at nationals too. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it's hard to, you know, people are wrestling lifers and, you know, I didn't jump into the sport till I was 15 years old. I never put a pair of shoes on until I was 16. I still got my high school headgear floating over here, gently used. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's just, you just got, I don't really have an answer for it because it's just, you just have to basically wait it out <laughs> in a lot of ways. It's like, you, you'll be, if, if you don't just, if you don't give up, you know, people eventually will come around, I think, um, as long as you provide something of value. And I think that's what I've done. Um, even if you don't, you just be agreeable and friendly to be around. That's, that's also a big part of it. So mm-hmm. did you ever feel like you had something to prove? Always, always, always early. Cause I, I'll use this as an example. When, when, when Sandy no longer did the NCAA championships, that was a very tough act to follow mm-hmm. because you're talking about the voice of wrestling, the most beloved voice um, in her and Ed Alaverde did nationals for so many years and they did such the big events. So it was a bit of a stink when the NCAA didn't bring her back. And then, you know, think about it. Like, let's put, let's put it this in Iowa parlance. It's you kind of felt like Jimmy Z after following Dan Gable a little bit. You're like, you know, you're constantly being compared. So um, you have to win them over. And that's, I didn't try to be anybody other than who I was. There, there are certain things I do that are, I pay homage to Ed Aliverdi. I pay homage to Sandy. I pay homage to Howard Finkel from pro wrestling in certain things that I do. They're unique. I'm not trying to come in and be like, yeah, this is, you know, I'm a different show. Me and Brian are a different show. And that's the one thing you had to prove to people that you earned it to be there. So um, I think that the first year was kind of tough because it was in New York city and, you know, our, our Midwestern brethren here, I lived, I've been lived out here for, you know, 11 years now, we don't like mass transit and we don't like places we can't park our camper next to for three days and tailgate. So uh, New York city was different. You had a new place where you couldn't do all those things and you had a new voice. So I did have to prove that I belong there. And here I've done, let's see, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, no, I mean, 21, 22, what, seven or eight. I mean, I've done over 40 college national championships. I've done seven world championships. I've done two Olympics. I think, I think I've gotten to the point now where I don't have to prove that I'm mm-hmm. good to be where I'm at in certain things. But now in hockey, it's a new sport. I'm coming in. What's this wrestling guy think? What's this wrestling guy do? It's going through that once before. It, it doesn't hurt that I've had to try to, I have to impress people without trying to sound like I'm trying to impress them. So yeah, it's still, a, it's still a prove. Uh, you know, I still feel like there's people that I have to prove myself to, but it's not like I'm going out there to prove myself to them specifically. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it's like, I just have to make sure, you know, going to the world's in 15, I was nervous. Because it wasn't like I was afraid to, to to screw up. No, I'm just I should I should do my best. My wife told me that car. It's like you nervous? I'm like yeah. I'm like why? It's like I'm worried about screwing up. It's like well, just do your best. Don't go in trying to do your best. Go in. Don't go in thinking you know. Don't f up. Don't f up. Don't f up. No, go in. Do my best. Do my best. Screw ups are gonna happen. They're mm-hmm. they're unavoidable. I mean, you're saying you're speaking like at the NCAA championships. You're speaking for three straight days to a room full of people that again know more than the sport than you do so sometimes you're going to say something wrong and uh you know now there's there's now i mean i'm I'm in my 40s now so my i'll drop a dad joke line in there and you know (laughs) there there'll be some some uh some goofy things that brian and i say and then that's oh they're listening you know like you know remember one year the george mason heavyweight um went through the table uh right and the rest was again i'm you know i just dropped the line 
And Voss goes through the Spanish announce table on eight. And, you know, I got a little bit of a pop. So, I mean, just, you know, just <laughs> it's not so boring. You don't have to be uptight. And the NCAA gives us that flexibility, too. But, yeah, you know, you, you I do sometimes feel like uh, there are there are times you've got to prove yourself and you don't have to. So you just, again, do a good job. And I think it takes care of itself. But, you know, there is that back of your mind. You can't it's it's, it's unavoidable. You do have to have a bit of an ego, though, to be in these situations, to put yourself out there. You know, you have to believe you belong. And that's again where that imposter syndrome comes in. You have to find, you have to believe you you've earned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even you know even wrestlers that I've heard this past weekend, you know they did it. They won the world championship. They have to believe they had the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. So I, the same thing goes with with whatever role you're in, whether it be broadcasting, announcing, um, refereeing. You know, there's so many different aspects of the sport that you know you can have that. I need to I need to do a good job. Yeah, and so kind of to piggyback off that, then what keeps you motivated? You know, now that you've sort of reached the pinnacle in, in some aspects or you've you've done, you just listed off some accolades. I mean, world championships, Olympics, NCAAs. I mean, what keeps you going and motivated to continue to get better and be the best Jason Bryant you can be? Um, I lo- and this is going to sound a little cheesy, but honestly, it's the kids. And and I can say that because. I, I will. I announce for national championships. I do the NAIA championships, the Division Three championships, and the Division One championships. Done a conference here and there. Where and when it, you know, the, the schedule is what it is. I believe I may be in line to do the Big Tens this year because they're out in Maryland. Hazard lives out in DC, so it, but it schedule opens up. I haven't been officially offered that one yet, but it's been in discussion. But mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to the NAIA championships one year. I think they were in Des Moines when this kid won. Kid from Indiana Tech named Sawyer Miller, and. I, I just remember he wins. I think it was an overtime and I just blurted out it's Miller time. And it was just something like that kid's championship experience winning a national title. And then the D three kid, his experience winning the national title is the exact same experience that I tried to give Pat glory when he won an NCAA title this year. I, there might be eight, there's 18,000 people watching glory beat Ramos. There's 5,000 people watching, uh, Charlie Stahl win or something like that. Or, uh, you know, or, or, you know, D three guys, I think Charlie won it this year, Charlie or Sam, one of the Stahl brothers from Augsburg won it. Uh, and then there's maybe a thousand people watching the NAI kid do it. I want that experience for them to be the exact same. So I stay sharp in doing my preparation for each tournament the same way. Yeah. The media, the, the preview guide helps, but I have a list of all the NAIA guys. I have where, where they may have transferred from where their previous accolades are, their, their, their pronunciations, their records. Like I have all that stuff ready to go. Same thing with division three. So I try to get an entry list of hometowns, what high schools, like I've got stats. And then guys like John Gremmels who have been an Iowa legend when it comes to division three history, he's got information. So I, I just want to make sure that, those kids get the exact same experience that, you know, Luis Orta Sanchez just got at the world championships for Cuba. Like, I feel like that's what keeps me sharp is wanting to make sure that the performance that these kids get at every championship is grade A. So if you make the decision to go division three, to go to NAIA, uh, Dort Mayab and, and Brian Zins do great at division two. I haven't been to D2s in a while because of the same weekend as threes, but when it when I'm on the microphone, I want you to feel like you're at the freaking world championships when you win. Like, you know, I, I want that performance to be, you know, and here's the thing. Sandy's voice is iconic. Mm-hmm. And maybe 20 years down the line, 
I'll be mentioned in that that situation. That's not what I'm doing this for, but it's one of those things like, yeah, every time I hear somebody talk to Sandy, it's like, oh, yeah, um, we used to hear you when my kids were growing up in California or or Illinois or someplace like that. That is awesome. And that I know. And then that's that'd be one thing that would be really cool later in my career uh, to get because I haven't done tournaments long enough to be uh, to that long because she's she's been doing it for so many years. But, you know, I, again, that's what keeps me going is is I want to provide the same experience that the best in our sport get for the people that are the best in their part of their sport. So whether it's hockey, when our St. Cloud guys score a goal, or I get to belt out Zach Okabe's name uh, throughout the Herbrooks National Hockey Center after scoring a hat trick against those, anyway, against those folks from North Dakota. Uh, you know, those are the things like, I just, I feel like adding, it's not my moment. It's their moment that I'm just adding a soundtrack to. And, you know, I, I think another situation that, that kind of came up was Aline Fokken won the gold medal for Germany at the Olympics in Tokyo. She beat Adeline Gray in the finals. And I'm, I'm in a cab with her, a car with her on the way to uh, a, a, a day in Zagreb at the European championship. She was doing the broadcast. We get stuck in traffic for like an hour. He says, Oh yeah, yeah. You're, 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 uh, you're on my highlight video everywhere. And I'm like, Oh my God, geek out <laughs> moment. So there's some really cool things that come with this, but ultimately like it keeps me going is knowing that, I can provide something that maybe is a little bit of a part of their memory. Um, they're, you know, they're, I'm going to be on their highlight tape. Don't screw that up for them. Make them make that, make Sawyer Miller's highlight tape just as bit as good as Aaron Brooks's highlight tape or Andrew O'Leary's highlight tape, or, you know, just those moments. Like I'm not, I, I, I wasn't on Kyle Dake stuff when he was in college, but now, Five-time world, that's on his highlight tape. You know, those are things that are important to me is making their moment that much better. Whether whether I am making that moment that much better than them, uh, I don't know. But I feel like that's that's kind of a driving force in making sure that they get a call worthy of a world-class performance, regardless of the level. Yeah, wow. That's admirable, you know. Um you know, and that's actually why I do this podcast too, is a lot of the guests I've talked to, I just want to give them their moment and praise in the sport, no matter how big or small they have been. I want to provide them the same level of care that you would. Yeah. Anybody who's been four-time undefeated state champ, gone on to win national titles, whatever Olympics, like I want to treat them the same way that you would somebody who made a state tournament and wrestled in college a little bit. And now is, a banker or something, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and to your point, if you're on that highlight tape, you want to make sure you pronounce their name correctly. Oh yeah. Like that's their moment, <laughs> you know? And the last thing you want to do is TJ Mahler. Oh, it's Miller, you know, or something. <laughs> so, yeah, there's still ones that waffle. I and mean, here's how I do it with the kids. Like, Hey, how do you want to, how do you want you to know? I, like, I don't care. It's like, no, no, no. What does your mother want to hear on the podium? Dan's uh, like, uh, Joseph, <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good yeah. one. And then some of it too, like, like the international stuff. It's like, so to, to tie the NAI in, they had a national champ this year, Glum John Abdullayev. He's from Uzbekistan. Just wrestled the world championships. He wrestled the Olympics. It's like, and I walked up to his assistant. I, he was standing there. He, his English is still kind of a little sketch. I'm like, uh, Glum John Abdullayev. And he looked at me and goes like, I was like, uh, world championships. He goes, ah. Yeah. He, he nodded and he kind of looked surprised. It's like world champ. I'm, I'm, I'm in Wichita, Kansas. And I was also in like, you know, where were the worlds last year? Uh, about well, the Belgrade, same place they were. So, yeah. So I had him this year. It's like, yep. And, you know, and dropping it out there is like, 
Not the wrestling. It's uh, and Michich was wrestling. It's like we got a Michigan Menlo match up here on on A. And that's another thing that like to the to the to the point of like what I add and things of that nature is like you get fans like oh that guy wrestled at Menlo or that guy you know I think uh, Miles Amin wrestled um, Noel Torres who was a Division two national champ at Newman. You know we had an mm-hmm. NAIA guy Aaron Johnson who wrestled at University of the Cumberlands wrestling Jonathan Smith who wrestled for a semester at Presbyterian and then at Cerritos College in California the California Junior Colleges so. That extra stuff mm-hmm. is like also the stuff that kind of geeks me out is to provide things that nobody else is thinking about too. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff that that derives. But the, getting the names right uh, as best I can, you know, some of these names are really hard of the world. You, you most of them are like uh, Western tongue. You can't say like uh, Saolingao. Like no, 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 Saolingao. You know, there's a, a Chinese wrestler like Hazard Hat. I'm just like. This is the best we can do with the pronunciation, like because we can't make some of those sounds. So Saolingao. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that's his name. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not making fun of their the way they talk. That's his name. Right. So, uh, those are the fun moments when you hit it right on the podium. They're like, yeah. <laughs> um. Well, as we wrap up here, Jason, I want to just see if you reflect, if you've taken time ever to just sit back and reflect on how far you've come and what you've done to accomplish what you've accomplished, and if you've been able to just be proud of what you've what you've accomplished thus far. I know the the book isn't written yet. It's not done, but you know the first chapters of the book are pretty, pretty impressive and pretty pretty awesome. So have you, do you have you done that? Do you do that from time to time? Just I mean, you you got to keep yourself motivated too. So, uh, you know, I'm literally less than 24 hours off a plane from working a world championship from my working my 14th world championships and seventh that I've announced at the senior level. So, um, there is repetition of this, but yeah. There are sometimes you I you know, and I, I hate to say this sounding the way I do, but it, you do have to take a moment and like, yeah, I did a good job. You have to give yourself that that self. For sure. It sounds not quite like self gratification in that manner, but you have to like appreciate. Uh, take a second because yeah, I mean, I I was a kid that wanted to be a sports broadcaster in 1994 said now batting for your Pocosin Islanders. I can't remember who was batting leadoff that day. Matter of fact, it was against Clearfield High School, Pennsylvania. I can tell you who we were playing. Um, <laughs> lost that game. But like, I, I just the, yeah, I mean, I, I I say this all the time. Wrestling has taken me to 29 countries. Um, I've, I mean, I've been to four former Soviet republics and I still haven't been to Montana yet. Like, you know, there's the, the opportunities to be, the voice of international wrestling is not lost on me. I don't take that for granted at all. I'm very thankful. Um, and, and I look at, you know, you know, yeah, it's in my email signature that I've won 16 broadcasting and wrestling awards and stuff. I mean, that's, that's more or less just a signature, but it's like, yeah, I'm proud of those. Mm -hmm. I am. Um, I'm not going to say I'm not proud of them. I'm not going to say that I don't, I wouldn't mind winning more awards, but, it's not like I don't do it for the awards. And there was a, a, a line there where it's like, okay, Jason hasn't won anything yet. And then I won a lot of them in a short time because I had finally broken through and they ran up people to give awards to, I guess. But <laughs> um, you just, you have to believe in yourself, right? I believe I am the best in the world at what I do. And am I the best in football? No, I, I haven't been given those opportunities yet, but I feel like you can put me in any position in any sport and I'm going to be more than capable, but you know, yeah, it sounds say this. Then there's, Oh yeah. What's, what's the, the depth of people that are wrestling PA announcers. Ain't that many. I know that 
I realize that it's a very small pond that I'm swimming in, but it, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with what I do. I'm glad that I get called on these things. I'm, and I look back and I'm like, yeah, you know, I really am. I feel like I am good at what I do. If I wasn't good at what I do, I wouldn't keep getting hired. It's not like I'm kissing people's asses to get these gigs. Um, <laughs> You know, sometimes I can, I'm, I'm a little, uh, you know, there's certain parts where I'll be contentious about certain, no, I, we need this. Uh, that way I can do what you brought me here to do. It's not like you say, hey, build a house, here's a spoon. Um, you know, but so when you look back and like, yeah, I just came out for world championships and I thought I did a hell of a job. Uh, I, I, you know, you have to believe in yourself and yeah, I probably, you know, I know I made a mistake here and there. Matter of fact, you know, Tony Rotundo gives me crap when I, I said, I, I think I said technical superiova instead of superiority. And he just texts me one job. You know, it's, it's, it's a joke, but you also have to not take yourself seriously in that regard. Uh, that's why I said, let the, let the mistakes just kind of roll off your back. But yeah, I am very happy with my performance. Typically, um, you know, sometimes I'll flub a word and, it'll, and, I'll, and I'll beat myself up over it for about five minutes. That's all. You don't even have that much time to really think about it. So yeah, the I look at where I'm at and to know that, you know, 30 years ago, I didn't know anything about wrestling. I'd never seen a wrestling match. And now I'm coming off two weeks in Serbia announcing the world championships with some of the greatest wrestlers America's ever seen. I mean, David Taylor, Kyle Dake winning titles. I meet Alora's on her way. Adeline and Helen won medals. Like there are just so many great things the sport gets. And it's just, yeah, I'm glad to be there. I'm stoked to be there. And, you know, I'm again, not taking any of this for granted. And I do stay sure. I still will announce, I will do PA introductions in my car by myself. When I'm driving to St. Cloud for a hockey game, I'm, I'm envisioning the starting lineup. I get my reps in. I still try to improve. I don't think that oh, I'm the best. I'm just going to get all this. No, I'm I'm still like worried about not getting the Olympics. You know, it's like, well, I hope, I hope they didn't find anybody. You know, it's like, you know, I hope I didn't do anything to piss anybody off. Like those are things you do worry about, but you still have to stay on top. And like I said, giving those kids the same call if they're D3 NAI and you know, yeah. Again, this, this, this is exactly the type of thing that I brought up earlier. How, how to take a, how do you take a compliment and then get word salad, you know, becoming word garbage. And like, I don't know how to answer the question. Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited about what I do. I, I love what I do. I think I'm good at it. Uh, other people apparently think I'm good at it. So um, I don't know what's next. I don't know how long I'm going to do this. Uh, I know it's going to be, I, I don't plan on giving it up anytime soon. Uh, I'm, you know, looking to get more events in hockey because I'm up here in Minnesota. Uh, the frozen fours up here. Uh, that'd be a cool thing to eventually have on my radar in the future. Uh, you know, you're not going to get that year one, having never done hockey before. So that's, that's a new challenge that I enjoy. And one thing I like about that is I get to be a fan over there. I love wrestling, but I don't get to be a fan. Um, mm -hmm. I just love it for, you know, I love watching great wrestling. Like I'm, I'm, I'm excited when the U S wins, you know, but I can't show that over the PA and, and hockey. I'm their home PA announcer. I can go freaking ballistic. I love it. Um, you know, and I can do that at Augsburg. I can do that at little rock. I can now do that at another school. that's not yet announced my, uh, my new arrival, uh, as their PA announcer. So, um, that's news going to be broken here soon, but it's like, I, yeah, I look back. Yeah. It's been pretty freaking cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. When you, like I say, it's the best 15 words in sports is ladies and gentlemen, please rise for the national anthem of the United States of America. And I get choked up every freaking time I say it. So that when that feeling goes away, it's probably time to stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did I answer your question? Cause I don't yes, know if you I did. Kidding. Yes. Yeah, you did. You know, in a way that also shows me and shows the listeners the respect you have for the sport, the love you have for the sport and how 
seriously you take it. Um, I think, again, we can take for granted the PA announcer, the, the broadcast, the people who make the sport watchable and enjoyable for the fans, aside from the match itself. And you take it very seriously. You put in a lot of time and effort. And I don't want that to get lost in everything that also goes on, you know, besides the match. Like, that's just a lot. And we should be very appreciative of of how much effort and time and energy put into it. You know, that's just so. Here's your chance to take a compliment. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. (laughs) That That was pretty good. Nice way to work that in, too. I was, I was like, okay, where is he going to go with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Good job. Good job at bringing something in from the previous part of the interview and, and dropping it in. That's real good stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll let you go here. Um, you know, I had a long couple of weeks, and you're 24 hours off of playing. So um, I'm just appreciative of, of any time I get with my guests, especially someone like yourself um, who's very busy. So, um, so, yeah, thank you. And thank you for all you do for the sport of wrestling. It's, it's better – now than it was before because of you you know and i and i know like you're gonna say like okay yes you have help along the way and you're just a small piece of the pie but i'm just saying for what you've done the sport is in a better spot now than it was before because of what you've done so yeah that's kind of daunting to wrap my head around so i'll (laughs) say nod and say thank you because that's that's the way you put that it's kind of Mind blowing in a, in a little bit of a way. That <laughs> thank you, appreciate it, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is like that's why I ask if you ever stop and think about what you've done because what you've done over the course of thirty years has been a lot, and you've done it at such a continuously high level that you've accomplished a lot, you know. And so uh, Sandy Stevens started somewhere, you know. Yeah, look where she is now, and and at Alverde, you know, Dor- Dorothy Mayab, I had her on, you know, like so. Dort's amazing, by the way. I want to give her props, too, because uh, tell you what, Hawkeye Nation, if, if you've got the Iowa folks that are listening in, when they started that women's team and then hired Gary Mayab, and now you've got Dort as your built-in women's announcer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I work with her at the NAI Championship. She announces Division Twos. I did, I did the Olympic trials with her. Like, you want to talk about somebody who's like has zero ego about and pretentiousness when it comes to working with? Dort is, you know, her, working with her and Hazard, it's like I've got Hazard and then I've got the female hazard or do I have the male door? Like it's just, <laughs> just because of their, their demeanor, their attitude, the positivity, their goofiness, the somewhat off color humor we can have. Like, it's just, we can just joke. Like, cause working with them at, is just, just like, you know, I don't want to say plug and play, but it's, it feels like, okay, who we got Dort? Oh, we're good. We got hazard. Yeah, we're good. Like, so, you know, it's one of those things. So uh, Dorothy Mayab is a is a is a queen of this sport. And, uh, you know, I was going to get to know that real quickly if they don't know it already. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Jason Bryant, for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and my brand new Facebook page to hear more of my content. And don't forget, check out my website, Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast.my.canva.site. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. Take care. We'll see you next time.